Welcome to another episode of Young Queer Stories. Today we have Riley. Riley's a 22-year-old trans non-binary guy. He's an aspiring plastic surgeon and hopes to start school in the fall. Right now, Riley works in a hospital as a sterile processing technician in the OR department. He's the oldest of three siblings in a hardworking family of five in, the middle, in middle Tennessee and lives in a camper on his parents' property with his soon-to-be husband. Riley enjoys photography, scuba diving, embroidery, gaming, sketching, hiking, and adventuring, listening to podcasts and NPR radio. He loves meeting new LGBT plus and queer folks and having meaningful talks about life. He's an out and proud transgender non-binary guy and identifies as demi bisexual slash pansexual. All right. Welcome, Riley. We're happy to have you. <laughs> cool. So I'm just going to ask an opener question. Um, what identities do you feel most influence your experiences? Ooh, I actually forgot that you'd be asking me that question. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> um, mainly, of course, being transgender is my main thing that I identify with. But lately, non-binary has been really like coming out to me and. I don't know, it just kind of makes me feel really warm and fuzzy inside, so I'm kind of struggling whether I want to identify as trans or non-binary. And I think it's important to know that just because you come out once doesn't mean you can't come out again, and that can change. But with the way that I identify, I don't think... I mean, it definitely shows who I am as a person, but there's so much more behind that. And I really feel like you the podcast uh, really highlights that in people and it means a lot to me. Aw, that's great. Yeah, I love like the part you said about like it can change over time. Right? Like we can identify one way, but that can shift and be fluid and change over time and we don't necessarily have yeah, to stick to one okay. term. Yeah, for sure. So I thought it was cool that scuba diving is on your list and you live in Tennessee. So I'm curious where you go scuba diving. <laughs> <laughs> That's so unfortunate. <laughs> I say that because I recently moved from Georgia last year. I've been in Tennessee now for a year. And I used to go scuba diving while we were there. We would drive about two hours to go to the Florida Hot Springs. And there would be like manatees and it was like crystal clear water. And just something about scuba diving just it makes me feel awesome first of all because you're underwater breathing that's amazing mm -hmm. and of course i'm amazed by animals and fish and things like that so but yeah moving to tennessee it was a really big bummer because we're landlocked and all the rivers around us are just they just look like mud water so you can't see anything and that kind of freaks me out sometimes because you don't know what's down there mm -hmm. have you ever seen anything that was kind of freaky when you were scuba diving there was sort of a shipwreck from like way back when I'm, I don't remember like the year that it had shipwrecked but like you could see pieces of the wood like sticking out and like where the boat like sank and off to the side there was like a 90 foot deep hole oh like and it, it was just it down was a big into hole. the ocean yeah it was in a spring mm -hmm. uh next to a river so the boat pulled in but this hole is like 90 feet deep 
and it's just gushing water like constantly. We had to hold on to a fallen tree to keep from blowing away in the water, but oh wow, it was insane to look down there and know that it was so deep, and it was just it made me feel really small. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, I think that would freak me out. Yeah, no. I finally got comfortable snorkeling, but scuba diving, I don't think I'm there yet because, yeah, like you said, like it felt like you were small, like it just feels so vast and I feel like we're in somebody else's world because that's not our world, like that's the fish world and (laughs) it makes me feel so small and like I'm intruding on someone's world, but it's fascinating at the same time. It's a completely different world down there. Mm Mm-hmm. So how are you liking your move from Georgia to Tennessee? Well, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. I'll start with that. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> so we lived about an hour and 30 minutes west of Philadelphia in the middle of nowhere. Not in the middle of nowhere, but not a well-known town. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was 12, we moved to Georgia. And I was in Georgia till I was 18. We moved to Tennessee a year ago. And I don't regret it because it snows here. <laughs> you like the snow? I do. Come to Chicago. Right. There's not- that you won't like it after Chicago. There's not enough snow here, actually. Really? really? Well, here it snows now at the end of April, so... Do you, how much snow do you get? Last year we got a couple inches, but this year we got a literal dusting. <laughs> and it was extremely disappointing. Oh. Do you like snow activities then? Yeah, I love sledding. Uh, I've never been skiing, though, and I would love to do that someday. What about snowboarding? Never been snowboarding. That's something I've been wanting to try. I've been super creative in what I use for sledding, though. What have you used? Elaborate, please. I've used, I've used boogie boards. I've used cardboard boxes. Nice. Um, of course, sleds. We would use trash can lids. Basically, oh, I bet those go fast. Find. I'm here for it. Yeah, that's yeah. creative. That's what you it. gotta do. <laughs> so I know you also said that you are looking to go to med school soon. Sort of. Okay. Tell so us about the next up, part of your journey. Since you brought it up, this fall, hopefully, I'll go to a technical college for studying to be a surgical technician, which would be a scrub tech, I would go into the cases and the surgeries and I would be handing the surgeon the instruments and maintaining the sterile field and things like that. And when I go to school, I have one year to complete that and I'll get my degree. So a year of school, that's that's going to go by fast. So in that time, I have to determine if I want to go the route of plastic surgeon or if I want to go the route and apply for the Tennessee Organ Donor Program. I recently watched a organ donor case at work. Uh, it's part of some job shadowing I've been doing. And the organ donor program seems like an amazing thing. I mean, to me, organ donating means a lot. I mean, you're giving someone life. So recently being introduced to that, it kind of opened my eyes to that pathway. So I've got a year to figure out where I want to go. So what is the organ donor pathway? What would you be doing? in that field? Well, I would be assigned probably in Nashville, Tennessee. And if someone unfortunately passes away that has organ, an organ match with someone who's on the organ donor list to receive organs from someone, 
they'll call me, say, we need you to get to the hospital right now. I would go, we would perform the organ harvesting procedure, and then we would either helicopter or by ambulance ship the donated organs to the receiving patient. And that's what I would be doing. That's very cool. I saw an article just the other day that said that they like delivered the first organ via drone somewhere. I did read something about that as well. I don't know much about it, though. Yeah, that's really interesting. Cool. So those are both really great paths to be considering. Since we're on the topic of plastic surgery, the reason why I would want to go the route of plastic surgery um, is mainly coming from my trans identity. And part of working in healthcare, and if I were to become a plastic surgeon, I would want to do the best that I could do for a person because it's their body and they're trusting me with their body. Right. So I have to be the very best that I can be if I become a plastic surgeon. And I would be focusing on gender affirmation related procedures. And I would put myself out there as that being my primary goal. And I think it would be just really meaningful to have someone who really cares. Mm -hmm. And I think we're lacking that in the healthcare system right now. And in doing that, do you think you'd want to stay somewhere more like Tennessee? Because I know that's also really hard for people too, is like they travel so far to receive um, surgery as well. Where like we're in Chicago and there's multiple plastic surgeons here who specialize in that area. But if people aren't in a major city, it can be really hard to access. I have uh, thought about that. And being in the South and having experience living down here, it's really hard to find gender and LGBT related care. Yeah. So I think actually staying here would benefit the not only Tennessee, but states around me like Alabama and Georgia. Uh, I think the nearest major surgeons that I know of personally when I looked into possibly getting gender affirmation surgery was in Atlanta. And other than Atlanta, I hadn't really heard of any other places. So I think staying here would be beneficial. So you chickens. (laughs) (laughs) Prior to this episode starting, we were talking about chickens Mm -hmm. and they showed us their yard full of baby chickens and fluffy chickens, and they mentioned they had goats. So I am very curious about what led to that um, decision of harvesting all of these farm animals <laughs> into your space. So from a very young age, my parents uh, were raised to, I guess, take things from like the land and provide for, provide for yourself in any small way that you can. So... Just because it's it's not only better for like the environment not supporting like those big industrial companies just like pumping out terrible things into the environment. And if we can provide for ourselves, um, it just has a small yet important impact. Mm-hmm. So we have the goats, we have the chickens, we have a wild turkey that is essentially our watch turkey because he will patrol the property and that's so cool meet anyone that comes over but we also have bees and lots of fruit trees so we have kind of like not a farm but sort of like a farm i guess you could call it a homestead that sounds like a really country word to say but and i say that that in tennessee but like i said i'm from pennsylvania right (laughs) yeah 
But yeah, we just really like producing for ourselves. I mean, to me, and when I have my own space, finally, it just know it just feels better to me to know where my food comes from Mm -hmm. and know where I'm getting my eggs or where my bees are getting their pollen from and things like that. And having bees, first of all, is great, not only for us, but for Tennessee. But anyway, I don't know if that answered your question, but yes, we've had so many crazy pets over the years from exotic reptiles to little furry chinchillas, all kinds of stuff. But Right now, we mainly just have the chickens, the goats, the turkey, and the bees. The lone watch the turkey. turkey. <laughs> That's so cool. Just imagining walking up to this gate and you just see a turkey, just like it's like, what do you want? Like, are you supposed to be here? It's <laughs> watching you. It's like, are you gonna be bad? Am I gonna have to pluck your he, eyes out? <laughs> he will watch us. Christmas morning, he came on the back porch and he was looking through the door. And just Aww. sat there while we were opening our gifts. That's so cute. Oh, did you get him a gift? Was he left out? <laughs> That's hilarious. Aww. So basically, what you're saying is that if there's ever a zombie apocalypse, you Go will be set <laughs> for the apocalypse because you grow sort all of, of your I own mean, food. With all of our own food, we also live in the middle of nowhere. Right. So. See, you're like, I'm planning ahead. Riley would be okay, <laughs> and I'm like, no, we need to go there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, for happens. sure, for sure. Yeah. I'm like, let's like get in the car and go. I look through like Nostradamus's notes about future predictions <laughs> with the plane ticket <laughs> right. like, coming. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm kind of curious to hear more about the bees. What all does that entail? My dad's the expert, but I can kind of give you an insight of what I know. Um, We have two hives, and I believe it's one queen that runs both the hives. The first year my dad got the bees, it was really hard. Uh, Having bees isn't easy, especially if you haven't done your research, but his first hive didn't make it. Luckily, this one has been doing great, and they've almost been here for two years now. But there's a lot of maintenance with it. We have to make sure that they have enough food and honey for themselves. We have to make sure that the hive doesn't get infested with these beetles, which will kill the larvae of the bees. And just make sure that we provide them with like wildflowers in the field to make sure that they have enough things to pollinate. And that's also why we have the fruit trees, because they benefit each other. That's awesome. I also saw another random video recently that was about someone who was studying bees and they, for their research, they were like videotaping what was going on in the beehive and they're like, oh, it was the best reality television show because they didn't realize like other bees would try to take over the queen and this one bee was trying to take over the queen and you literally see the queen like pull it and like body slam it and be like no, because it was trying to lay eggs oh. and take over and make a new queen and the queen like body slammed it threw it to the side and was like no and then ate the larva and was like this is not happening 
I was like, wow. And they're like, there's this whole like B reality show of this person's research and like all the drama that was happening in the B colony. I was like, this is crazy. Nature is so metal. I love it. Right? You think only humans like have this drama and they're like, no, we have B drama. <laughs> and then that B like never tried laying eggs again. Like it got in trouble. I was like, no. <laughs> so you never know what kind of drama might be going on in your beehives. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, we're about at the time to start your story as well. So we'd love to hear your story today. All right. Well, the first thing I guess I should say is I emailed you both about being nervous about the story. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to include my process of actually writing my story into my story because I feel like that's a very valid part of what my story is about, which is mainly about like my mental health and how that's affected me. Um, so writing the story, I not going to lie. I've kind of put it off and I started writing it on Thursday and I would write a paragraph or two at a time and take a break. And it was kind of hard for me to get my thoughts down. And I was just really stressing about it a lot. So what I did with my story is I stopped writing. (laughs) I wrote most part of it. And then I made bullet points afterward about what I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to go from there. And that's okay because it's still going to be just as good. And if that's what I was able to do, that's what I was able to do. And when it comes to mental health, you have to not take it as, oh, I couldn't complete this. It's oh, it's going to be just as good anyway, and I'm still going to succeed. And you have to always look at things positively. So the main message of my story overall is going to be that mental health and dealing with it is very hard. It's very different for each person that goes through it, even if you have the same diagnosis. Um, You really never know what someone is going through. And no matter what, you can get through it. Uh, You really have to look for that support. Uh, Self-care is really important and getting help if you're able to. And I'll just go into my story. I've been trying to work on my mental health from the age of 18 to currently as 22. It was really hard for me at first because I was paying for all of this myself. I had a part-time job at a restaurant. I wasn't making very much money. I was in and out of two different houses at the time. So yeah, I had my first couple therapy appointments and it it was really hard to pay the co-pays for them, but I just started going and I saw over the course of a couple years, three different psychiatrists, a handful of therapists, and none of them were really clicking with me, I guess. I mean, the first psychiatrist that I went to see, he just rubbed me the wrong way. And if that happens, uh, if you do seek help and go meet someone, if you're seeing someone and they don't feel right to you, then it's it's probably not going to work. But my first meeting with him, he just, he was using the F word in our appointment and I curse. That's fine. I don't care that people do. But I just wasn't expecting that from a medical professional. 
especially at our first meeting. Maybe we, maybe once we got to know each other, that might be different. Um, and that just was kind of weird to me. And he just looked over my chart really quickly and threw a diagnosis of PTSD. And he said, I'm going to give you this medication and see how it works. It'll stop your nightmares and it'll stop your flashbacks. And I looked at him with a confused face because I wasn't having flashbacks and I wasn't having nightmares. Mm -hmm. And if he just prescribed me a medication and he read my chart, he should know that. So it was really strange to me that he just came out with this. It kind of felt like he made it up. So what I'm trying to say is over the course of the past few years, I've had a lot of hard time actually finding a diagnosis because each psychiatrist I went to, they changed my diagnosis. And currently I found a great uh, psychiatrist. He's actually signed my gender confirmation letter that I'll need to change my birth certificate and my driver's license. Uh, so that's awesome. All I had to do was I brought it to him and I said, hey, this is what I want to do. And he was like, sure, I'll sign it. But anyway, that's exciting. But he, he's really smart and he really listens to me. And that's super important. And he's got me on the right medications. And uh, with my story, I don't dwell on my mental illness, but I have ADD, bipolar depression and generalized anxiety. And a year ago, if someone would have told me that I would be where I am today, I would have said, there's no way. Right now, I'm fairly happy. I can't really complain. Uh, I still have bad days, but the good days uh, outnumber the bad. So things are always getting better. And that really gives me hope. And you have to really look for those small little things. And remember that recovery isn't going to be just easy. It's not going to be improving all the time. You're still going to have setbacks and that's okay. Because if you take three steps forward and only one step back, you're still not where you were. You're still, you still move forward. Before I talk about where I came from, I'll talk about where I am now. So with my mental health, it's made it extremely hard for me to function in life, like with my ADD and the bipolar depression. Um, but I'm really proud to say that our camper has been clean for a month now. And that's a super big deal because it's really hard for me to have the motivation to get out of bed in the morning, let alone clean our entire camper. Um, my car was trashed. I cleaned my car. Um, I've been remembering to take my medications on time, which is super important. So versus now from where I came from in high school, I've come so far because I used to think about things like suicide and self-harm and I've gone through some really hard time, but right now and what I've been going through, it's just been really great. And it's just along with the whole message of the story is that things get better. So what I'm trying to say is right now I have energy, I have motivation, I've got hope. Um, I'm a selling at work. I have a goal to start school soon, uh, which is super crazy because I have nowhere to look for that. I mean, I'd be a first generation college student. 
Um, so finding the information I need to have to start school has been kind of hard, especially facing the fact that I might have to take out loans and that's scary. And going through that and trying to work on mental health with going to work and I'm getting married soon. So it's all a lot and it's really stressful, but that's why I go to therapy because it's really nice to talk to someone about that and kind of get some of that stuff off your chest. From a very young age, I struggled with my mental health. Um, I remember at five years old, I had a good family, a loving parents. I was a good kid, but I was always quiet and shy and I could never quite fit in with the other children. Along with that, I kind of played with kids differently than most kids my age. And I guess it was because I processed the world in a different way. And that kind of goes into kind of a secret sort of. And it's that uh, when I was a kid, I was diagnosed to be like a high like beyond the autism spectrum, I guess, as having high functioning autism. I haven't been retested, but it's kind of weird to me looking back at that because it just makes me wonder like, what, how does that affect me now? And it, it just kind of made my life a little bit harder. I think I've always been awful with social cues and knowing when to talk and when to not talk. Uh, I never looked anybody in the eyes or anything. Um, but overall, school was really hard for me. And having the generalized learning disability and ADD, I was put in special assistance classes, uh, which made sure I was taught in a way that I could actually understand. Um, but of course, I always got bullied for that because I was seen as lesser. The class mainly consisted of folks with disabilities, which I don't. It's just horrible that anybody would think that anybody is lesser in that position. But around that same time, I actually had my first experience with sexual abuse. I was around five years old. This person was a family friend of ours. Um, and I was really scared to tell anyone what was going on. So I kind of just kept it to myself. I felt like if I said anything that I would get in trouble. And it kind of changed the way that I acted as a kid, I think. Like it changed my demeanor and I just wasn't the same after that. Um, by age 10, uh, I was really, I was relatively okay, but I was living in a part of town that all I can remember about living there was everyone my age and older was talking about things like drugs and sex and violence. And I had to walk to school every day and it was kind of scary, especially I didn't have any friends. I was bullied all the time. So getting through all that was hard, but looking back, I know that it made me stronger. Around the same time, I joined a junior military program called Sea Cadets. Looking back, I really think that it helped me kind of have a release for like my stress. And it kind of shaped who I am today because when I was there, I mean, everybody was dressed the same you know, everybody was treated the same and being trans, it kind of let me be myself because we were always talking about things like just everybody was the same. <laughs> but the program was a huge outlet for me. Everyone had to dress and act the same. And I was really good at it. And 
and I put all my time and effort into that. And I really think that it instilled responsibility in me. It taught me life lessons and it kept me essentially, I don't, I guess I could say off the streets. I don't want to have that anyone take that the wrong way. But like I said, all the kids my age were talking about, you know, drugs and things like that. And that, I didn't want to get into that. And I wasn't going to let that peer pressure get to me. So I just focused all my energy towards this military program. And I got a lot of awards from it, which helped me today because I have leadership experience. But I guess that leads me into high school. And that's when I really started to realize who I was as a person. I first started talking to people about being transgender and, you know, having different sexualities, things like that. And I didn't really come out to myself, I guess you could say, until about 10th grade. I had a non-binary friend in ninth grade. I had pansexual friends. Um, it was really great. And surprisingly enough, there was quite a few LGBT plus people at my high school. And being in the South in Georgia was really surprising to me. And I'm really thankful that I got to be friends with those people because it's completely different if you're alone and by yourself. So I made really great friends in high school, which really kept me going because I was still having a hard time with school. I was still having a hard time getting good grades. I've always had B's and C's and school was just really hard for me. Uh, other than my few LGBT friends, I didn't really talk to anybody because I was that weird kid. I was different than everybody else. And the one place that I could actually be myself in school was uh, our theater building. And theater has been a really great outlet for me. Unfortunately, I've been away from it for a little bit, but I still talk to plenty of people and it just really helped me be who I am today. In high school, my senior year, I moved in with somebody and it's really hard for me to talk about, but it's okay. I moved in with somebody and something called grooming happened and what grooming is and it's it's hard for me to accept that this is what happened because I still blame myself because I was living with this person I felt like if I didn't do whatever they said that they would kick me out and that was scary and things started to happen that I didn't want to happen and it was really hard for me to get through and it was right after I had graduated high school so it kind of threw me for a loop because I was trying to start my life. I was trying to, to figure out if I was going to go to college or what job I was going to have and it just kind of put like a big wall in front of me and it set me back a lot. But, sorry, it was just really hard talking about that. <laughs> After I got through that situation, I moved to Tennessee. And ever since I'm moving here, things have been really great. Um, I don't regret moving at all. I moved in with my parents on their property. Um, and that's mainly to save money so that we can get, hopefully, a house. 
so we're living in a camper and it's really weird to tell people that because they automatically think that, I don't know, I guess they just think differently about me for some reason. But living here is actually really nice. We have enough space and we have what we need. And that's that's enough. That's important is if you have what you need. I guess I'll go into coming out. I came out a year ago, actually. So it wasn't that long ago. And I came out. On my 21st birthday, uh, it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. I had been thinking about coming out for about a month. And I bought a card off of Etsy that the front cover said, surprise, I'm a guy. Which to some people that might seem totally awesome. But to my parents, it kind of threw them for a loop because it was shocking for them. And... They love and support me, and it's been great with that. But they had to, they admitted to me that unfortunately that might have not been a good way. And that was a good way for me to come out because it was more comfortable to buy them a card, write in the card, like, you know, this is what's happening, and then have them ask questions afterward. But I guess it was kind of scary for them because they were reading it versus me coming out and saying it. And I don't regret it, and I don't think they're really mad about it. Uh, Last June and August, so it was two separate times, I chose, the first time I chose to admit myself to a mental health facility about 40 minutes away from where we live, um, I was really having a hard time, and I just felt like I needed to go. I had really gotten to a point where I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what my brain was telling me. So I went and I guess the biggest thing that I can share is that as scared as I was to go, I'm glad that I went because it was a safe place for me to be. And being LGBT plus, I can understand and relate with the feeling of, oh, it's going to be scary. How are they going to treat me? Which is a huge question. Because you don't know how they're going to treat you, which is it's super important that if you're choosing to go, and I know that sometimes you can't choose to go and you're just forced to go. But if you have the option, try to see where the safest place and which is the safest hospital for you to go to, especially if you're in the South like me. Um, So I just I chose to go. I went for about a week. They put me on some different medications and it really helped me because it gave me a lot of different coping skills. Basically, there was a lot of classes about going through coping skills and ways to just let stress out in different ways other than an addiction or self-harm and things like that. Um, And it was really valuable to go through that experience. Unfortunately, I did not know that I would be returning three weeks later not by choice. And that was because something happened with my medication, but it it was all right. It wasn't really bad. And looking back, I wish I would have talked to my psychiatrist, but I don't think I should have went the second time. But yeah, I don't want anybody to be afraid about going because if you need the help, you should go and get it if you're able to. Um. So one thing that I would like to talk about, uh, I guess, as part of my story is about me personally being non-binary as well as transgender. I get a lot of questions about it. 
And the biggest question I get is, how can you be both? And from what I know and my experience, uh, non-binary is under the trans umbrella. But I just tell people that some days I feel, I guess you could say less masculine than other days, but I wouldn't call it more feminine. So I just say that I'm non-binary as well as being trans. And the hardest thing for me right now going through, I guess you could call it my gender journey, would be wearing what I want. <laughs> and I ha- I feel a lot of pressure to wear what society would see a cis guy wearing. And I'm trying to break myself away from that and just say the heck with it. Wear whatever I want to wear. Be who you want to be. And I'm still working on it. Most of the time, I kind of just do like one little thing at a time and it seems all right, but (laughs) I'm definitely trying to have more self-confidence and really get myself out there because the representation is important too. Um, Not saying that I need to be represented because there's so many more people that need more representation than me, but I just feel like being trans and non-binary might not be as common and maybe that's just where I live because I don't know many LGBT people where I live and that makes a lot of things harder but things like your podcasts really help people like me in rural areas and makes us feel a lot less alone that's kind of all I really had for my story um I'm sorry if it was too short or it was kind of choppy. I really tried my best and I was really anxious about it. So I hope that it was received well. Oh, you did great. I love hearing all the pieces of your journey and kind of how it's brought you where you are today. And it's so good to hear that the podcast kind of helps you feel more connected too, because that's kind of part of why we created it. So that's great. I think there are a lot of really important pieces that you mentioned in your story one of the things like in the very beginning that kind of came to mind is like you talked about having a psychiatrist who you felt like wasn't really hearing you or seeing you and what was actually happening at the time and I feel like sometimes when that happens people are really like hesitant to speak up or to change doctors or psychiatrists at that time and it's so important because like you said like the person said oh this will help with these things that you're not even experiencing so it sounds like they didn't even do a ptsd assessment um right and those are people of authority right who people look to for that guidance and to listen to and it's really good to hear you talk about the importance of like if it doesn't feel right that it's okay to not see that person and go get somebody else's support right Uh, what was it like for you to have to do that um well it was really strange for me because my whole life you know people say oh just trust your doctor do whatever your doctor says um they have a medical degree they've went to school for that Mm -hmm. they should know what they're doing um but that's not true all the time um and it definitely wasn't true in my case Mm -hmm. um i really didn't feel comfortable, uh, especially with someone who was giving me a medication for symptoms that I didn't even have. Yeah. So what did it feel like when you finally saw someone who you felt really gave you the diagnoses that felt right and felt like they fit? Um, it really gave me a sense of relief because 
I really felt like I would actually start making progress. And I felt like someone was for once listening to me, like genuinely listening to what I was saying and not calling me a liar, not saying, oh, well, if you're not experiencing this, then it's not, then it's not that bad Mm -hmm. or just telling me that it's not enough. Um, But it was, it was relieving. It was like a huge weight lifted off of my shoulders to finally feel like I was being heard by someone. Yeah, that's great. That's great when you, you find those people who actually see you and you get the help that you need. And even kind of talking about the like inpatient part, I know that's really, really hard. Like I work in the, in the psychology field and sometimes have to recommend inpatient for clients if they're needing a more higher level of support. And that can be a really hard decision for people. So yeah, kind of validating that experience I think is really important too, because like you said, like sometimes it's hard for people to admit that they've been inpatient before um, because there's some stigma around that but like recognizing when that's the type of support you need can be so beneficial so I I appreciate you talking about that piece of it no problem it's 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 important to talk about yeah yeah for sure so like through all of that what has been kind of the main supports that you've had like outside of like mental health um, connections like who has been your support through all of this uh, my fiance has been my biggest support, really. He was always there for me to take care of me when I would have my panic attacks and I was having a bad day or as simple as I wouldn't get out of bed. He would make tea for me and say, oh, well, why don't we go watch your favorite show on the couch and have some tea? <laughs> and he would give me a reason to like get out of bed in the morning. And he was just, he's just always been there for me and to help me get through all of that. How did you all meet? Um, we met in eighth grade. We were introduced to each other, but we didn't get together until ninth grade. Our first conversation consisted of him offering to put away the barred calculator in my math class. And I said to him, I don't even know you in response <laughs> and speaking to me. <laughs> so that was our first conversation. <laughs> but through that, um, we separated for two years in high school, but we've been together now for three and a half. So added, I think it's about five years and we're getting married, not next weekend, but the weekend after. Oh my gosh, in two weeks? Yes. Congratulations. That's exciting. Where are you going to get married? We are getting married 15 minutes away on the Notches Trace Parkway, and it's at Jackson Falls, and it's a huge waterfall. Wow. <laughs> so we're getting married outside in front of the waterfall. Wow. That's so cute. We would love to see a picture <laughs> if you want to send us a picture of that when it happens. Sure. Because the, we record these a month in advance so you will be married by the time this releases so that's super exciting yeah i'm super excited i can't wait oh i just have this like visual of like a waterfall and i i've never heard of anyone (laughs) having a wedding like by a waterfall that's incredible do you think you'll stay in tennessee once you get married i think so at least for the next five years or so. I can't really say. We've been talking about a lot of different things. Um, I know it's hard for him being up here away from his family in Georgia. Um, So he's up here all alone with me. 
I have my parents here. So we've been just talking about it. Um, it really depends on how life goes and school and, you know, money. Yeah, all <laughs> that. like that. And somewhere there'll be a kid in there at some point. So wow. it just really depends. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. Have you all been able to like connect with much um, LGBTQ community since moving there? Or is it? No, I, I imagine it's hard out there in the. It country. is. <laughs> there aren't any LGBT groups nearby that I know of. I'm sure I could find one in Nashville, but it being 50 minutes away, it's not as easily accessible, yeah. especially with a car like mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get there and wonder if I'm going to be able to make it back. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> so. Unfortunately, no. I've met two people at my workplace that I know are LGBT plus. So, okay. But we have a couple thousand people working for us, and two out of a couple thousand is kind of small. Yeah, not very many. <laughs> then it sounds like you're looking to like be at a program that's close by home, then, because you all want to stay there for a little bit. Yes. Um, by then, hopefully, I'll have <laughs> set aside some savings to possibly get a better car, and I'll be most likely working out of Nashville. So we'll probably stay in the same area. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Shameless plug. Shameless plug time. Shameless plug time. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, first of all, I have to ask, is five too many? Um, no. Absolutely. You can plug your okay. whole entire life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, I guess you can find me on Instagram at Riley Regal. Now, this one is super cool. I hope you guys are excited about this, but yes. there's an Instagram page called The Vulva Gallery. Ooh. It is about uh, a person. Uh, I'm fairly sure they use they, them pronouns. Uh, if I'm, They specifically told me that, if I'm remembering correctly. But uh, they... I'm not exactly sure where they live, but they have been making paintings of vulvas that anonymous people send them or they cannot be anonymous if they want. And she paints them and posts them on her Instagram page. And it's about diversity, inclusivity. Um, it's about sexual education um, and really to show the world that not all vulvas and uh, related anatomy look the same yeah. that everybody looks different and what you have is special mm -hmm. so along that. with follow that as soon as we end this <laughs> along with doing the paintings uh, they've made a book and I wrote wow. a story for the book and the book is releasing at the end of this month and it's about sexual education it's about different people's stories and I think it'll be super cool cool so you can find them on Instagram at the Volvo Gallery. It's super cool. My friend, uh, he's also a trans guy. Uh, he has an Instagram page called Misgendered, and it's MRS underscore gendered. And they make LGBT related comics, and Ooh. they uh, he draws possums and with like flower crowns oh, and yeah. all kinds of super cute stuff. And the comics oh. are great. So, yeah, that's misgendered at Instagram. And then I guess another podcast I can plug if that's sure. okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and I don't know if they've been plugged on Beyond Queer Stories before, but it's called Gender Reveal. I don't oh, know if I've you've heard of one. them. 
Yeah. Yeah. What it's super awesome. About? It's kind of similar. Uh, they just interview LGBTQ plus folks and really dig into what the heck gender is. Love it. Okay. Like what even? <laughs> right. And I guess the last thing would be a really awesome book. And this shows how much of a geek I am because it's a literature RPG book. So it's kind of like D&D. <laughs> cool. Uh, but it's called The Land Founding by Alaron Kong. And it's super awesome. You should totally listen to the audiobook. Nice. But <laughs> if you like D&D and tabletop games, it's super awesome to listen to. And a side note, if you follow me on Instagram, you can message me and we can be friends on Pokemon Go. <laughs> 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 Yay! Okay, I'm gonna fucking do that right after this is done. <laughs> I had I had to say that. What Yay. team are you? I'm on Mystic. I just switched to Mystic though. I was oh, on Valor. Okay. But okay. I just switched. Okay, okay, okay. Acceptable. It's fine. You switched to the like good side. So. <laughs> cool. Nice. Awesome. Ooh, we will definitely check all of this out. Yeah. That's great. Sweet. Well, so great to have you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so for being much. on. You're welcome. It was great being here. Thank you for having me on. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm also insistent on the chicken and goat pictures. Yeah, really send us want. all the pictures. <laughs> the chickens, <laughs> the goats, the wedding waterfall. Send us whatever you want to send us. We will happily. Definitely. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C., and you can check out her music at bstudwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk, Talk to you all, all next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. I was a lab rat. Like, Dr. Green, the wow. first time we had contact in an email during my master's, he said he remembered me. He remembered me having red hair. He asked me what my gender identification was now. Bye. 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 Bye.